Hello my friends, my name is Joe, welcome. Today I want to talk to you about a Chicago Cubs fan and what kind of story are you telling with your life and are you telling it in a good way? We're all telling a story, the question is what kind? Is it a good story, is it a compelling story? And then I'm going to share with you five questions that I think will help you to tell a great story in a great way with your life. Let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, so let's start with this Chicago Cubs video. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a video that surfaced within the last, I don't know, week, 10 days about a foul ball that a player was uh, given, or a, foul, a ball at a baseball game that a player had. He tosses it to a little kid. Little kid drops the ball. Person sitting behind next to him picks it up and gives it to someone else uh, completely off camera. So it looks like he pats the person on the back or gives him a high five or something. You can't tell. It's a, it's a very short clip that someone did on their phone off of their TV. And it went viral. People were vilifying the guy about how mean he was to take a ball from a little kid, stealing a ball from a little kid. And then that great media outlet source known as Reddit gets involved, and they track down the people sitting there. And you're going to have to accept this part at face value, but the people sitting there say, no, look, the guy was really nice. The kid that missed the ball, he had already helped him get a ball earlier. He gave that ball away to another kid. He helped four or five kids get balls. He was just being nice and helpful. Which is fine. That it, At the beginning, it does look like, without context, it looks like he stole the ball. So a lot of my friends are like, look, this is how we get, we get cheated by the media, blah, blah, blah. Isn't it great that he was helping all those kids? Here's my beef with it, and this is free. It's not really part of the curriculum. I didn't write a script for this part of it. Uh, it's not part of my topic arc. But, but this is for free. I want, to imag- I want you to imagine that you have two kids. And I give one of those kids $50. Just because, hey, here you go, Sam. Here's 50 bucks. And then later, your neighbor goes to give Sam 50 bucks in an envelope that Sam drops. So I pick it up, and because I had already given Sam 50 bucks, I go to give that the second $50, which would mean Sam would have 100 I go to give that $50 to Kyle, your other son. Because why should Sam get it twice? That's my beef. That's what that guy did. In the video, it's clear that the baseball player is tossing a ball to the little kid in front of him. Not the kid beside him, behind him, whatever. And he didn't even talk it over with, like, the kid or his or her mom. Uh, Just totally, yeah, here. And to me, that's outside of his purview. Unless he's there with them as their family, which he certainly could be. And so now I've devoted about three minutes to this on my podcast Uh, which is all it's going to get unless somebody writes in. But I do want to just say we have to decide how we live our lives. And one of those things is, is it's not his business. We can still tell a good story in a bad way, which is my transition for today. I want to ask you a question. How are you telling the story of your life? Are you telling it in a good way or not? There's a couple different ways that any story can be told, right? And I don't know about you, but I love to read. I like watching movies. Uh, I don't always have time for movies, but I like watching movies. 
Avengers Endgame just came out, and it's been interesting for me to watch people's reaction to that. Some people, I actually read on Facebook, one of my friends has seen it six times. Uh, as of this recording, I think it's only been out a week and three or four days. So basically six times times three hours is 18 hours. That, that's a part-time job. I don't have that kind of time. But, but that person has found the story so compelling, the special effects so compelling, that they've, they've given up large chunks of their life for it. There are uh, other movies that don't do quite as well. And then there are books that you're like, man, I really like this, this idea, but the writing is awful or the plot is awful uh, or, or the execution of the plot is awful. And, and I don't know if you've ever been caught in a book like that, but it comes to this point where there's actually a series of books that I was reading. And I got all the way to the third book. It's a trilogy. It's the quintessential, supposed to be the quintessential portion of the trilogy, right? The end, the last book. And I didn't finish it because it was so... I just didn't care about the characters. They were just blah. And... and I'm very into story. I talk about story a lot with my clients. One of the things that one of the exercises that I have with clients is I give them a sheet of paper that that says, you know, write the story of your life. And here are some questions that that you could do. Uh, and don't worry, we won't bill your insurance, but you could do these. What's the title? If if your life story is being churned into a movie, into a novel. Uh, into a whatever, some sort of story, what's the title? What genre is it? Is it comedy? Is it tragedy? Is it coming of age? What is it? What do the movements look like? Typically, there's three movements, the beginning, the middle, and the end. What do they look like? What's going on there? And then write the end. What is at the end? And then one of the questions that I add to the exercise is, how is the story being told? Is it being told in a good way or a bad way? You know, one of the things that I talked about a couple weeks ago was sports and, and my beef with sports. And one of my problems isn't sports. I think sports can be a compelling story. I think it can be a fascinating uh, look into the human psyche. I was watching a hockey match last night and... This one, the team that lost, in fact, they ended up losing the series. They had more power plays, which if you don't know anything about hockey, that doesn't mean anything. If you do, this next sport's going to make your, your ears bleed a little because I'm going to explain it. A power play is, means one team has more players on the ice than the other. Uh, and, and the team that lost, they had three power plays that resulted in zero goals. But they were getting good shots. I mean, point-blank shots. And the goalie was just playing out of his mind. And I wasn't even trying to watch it. My family was sitting outside. We were going to go sit outside and chat and just kind of unwind for the night. But it came on and I was engrossed for five minutes just watching. I mean, just standing there in, in my bedroom watching the TV of this goalie going out of his mind. Because he's telling a compelling story. And my beef with sports is often the story that gets told could be compelling, but it's told in a bad way. Parents screaming at the officials, parents screaming at the kids, parents screaming at each other, parents uh, cheering when someone else gets hurt, or not even parents. I mean, parents do that, unfortunately. I'll never forget, I worked at a mental hospital uh, for, for five years, and we're sitting one time with the, the, the people that we were working with, the patients, and the, the issue of hockey came up, and I live in Michigan, a proud hockey state, 
and one of they were playing one of their rivals. I'm going to say this was back in 2007. They were playing one of their rivals who had been down uh, in the series and came back to win. And one of the people sat there and said, oh, so-and-so from such-and-such team, I just wish he would get hurt and never be allowed to play again, never be able to play again. And I was like, what? Like, here's a person who is, at least at the time, was setting out to dedicate her life to helping people. She worked at that hospital, not by fluke. She was getting her degree in in human services to help people. She wanted to go get a master's, or she was working on her master's. And she wants physical harm to come to someone over a sports match. That's telling a good story in a bad way. Well, Joe, she was using hyperbole. She didn't mean that. No, pretty much she did. And did she actually mean it like if somebody showed up and they were like, hey, I want to hurt him for you, blah, 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 would she have said yes? Of course not. But it's still telling a good story in a bad way. It's telling a story in a bad way. That would actually be a bad story in a bad way. The parents yelling at officials. Good story. Sports overcoming in a bad way. Yelling at the officials. Ah, I was talking to a friend of mine who is mad because his grandson lost the state wrestling championship. And I said to him, I said, well, wait, you're mad at the other team's coach, which is how the conversation started, because you feel the official made a bad call. Yes, that doesn't make sense. That's telling a good story in a bad way. Grandfather supporting grandson, good story. Grandson making it to state championship, good story. Being mad at the other team's coach because you think the ref blew a call, which by the way, I looked it up, he didn't. Uh, Bad story, bad way. And it's not just sports, parenting telling a good story. Parenting in and of itself should be the telling of a good story. It's taking someone who is completely dependent on other people for their existence and walking with them as you lead them to becoming independent for their existence. But often that's a story told in a bad way, a good story told in a bad way. I've spoken to people and as I've expounded on this idea with them, one of the things I hear a lot is, oh, I think I get it. When I was a kid, people say to me, when I was a kid, my mom or my dad would say to me, after all I've done for you, how could you do this to me? I'm like, yeah, that's telling a good story in a bad way. It's reminding the person, hey, look, we're a family, we do this together, but it's using manipulation and guilt to get you to do what they want. That's telling a good story in a bad way. And so I want to ask you, how are you telling your story? Like that guy at the, at the Cubs game, he's telling a good story. Hey, he's being generous. I to be truthful with you, I have no beef with the guy besides the fact that he's a Cubs fan. I have no beef with him. I do have a beef with the idea that because he did something for that girl earlier or that boy earlier, that suddenly it's that ball that was given to them is his. To me, that's a great intention. I want to make sure that all the kids get a ball. That's great. But that ball wasn't given to you, dude. That's telling a good story in a bad way. Now, that's a nitpicky thing. What are other things? What about when you fight with your spouse? What you're really trying to say is I'm afraid or I'm insecure or I'm hurt. What most people say is snarky things, hurtful things. And the problem with this is what happens is we get caught telling a bad story that feeds itself because now the other person's hurt. But instead of saying that and and articulating it, they tell a a bad story in a bad way and it starts to spin because your life is telling a story. Think about someone who's overcome. That's a great story until it's told in a way that people are just like, ugh, this isn't 
something that I want to hear. And we all know someone like that, someone who has a great story, but when they tell it, we're actually kind of pushed away. We're, we're not drawn in. Because great stories have conflict. Great stories have challenges. Great stories have risk. Great stories have loss. And I think that's why we connect to them so much because all of our lives have those things. They have conflict. They have challenges. They have loss. The story becomes great when those ingredients are combined to inspire others, to draw other people in, to move other people forward. I think part of the problem is a lot of times that we want something completely different for our lives than the necessary ingredients ingredients for an actual good story. And so what kind of story are you telling with your life? If you went to a movie and the movie was just about how somebody just kind of, you know, they slid by in life, they just kind of did enough, they just kind of live for themselves, that probably wouldn't be a story that made a lot of interactions with people. It wouldn't sell a lot because a lot of people probably wouldn't go watch it. It wouldn't be compelling. And yet often that's what we try to do with our lives. That's what we teach our kids to do with their lives. Just do enough. Just get by. It's okay. Imagine a movie where there was no conflict. A conflict. Imagine a novel where there was no conflict. And yet often the biggest problem that I find with couples, every couple that ever comes to me, their number one problem is communication. And I often put on, it might actually not be communication. Your problem might actually be that you avoid conflict, that there's no room for dissent. There's no room for the other person getting upset. One of the podcast episodes that I want to do some point is at some point is, is, a discussion about how if you're going to be healthy, you have to be able to tolerate your spouse being distressed with you. You have to be able to tolerate them being frustrated because dissent, frustration, conflict are all part of great stories. And so one of the questions that I have for my clients and today for you is what kind of story are you telling with your life? Are you telling a good story in a bad way? Are you telling a boring story in in a boring way? What's the story that you're telling with your life? Think about teenage dating for a minute. It is a ponderous thing to me. How many parents are so involved in their teens' dating lives? Right? Talk about sending, I just said right. Oh, I'm so sorry. I I hate that I say right. I really need to work on that. So many parents, we send competing messages to our kids. We tell them, wait, you know, to get married, blah, 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 which I actually think is a bad message, but that's a whole nother day. But then we want them to date. We, we want them to be a part of the scene. And I get that. My daughter, my eighth grade daughter's gone to the dance here in a few weeks. And I was thinking today about, you know, what that night's going to be like. I'm going to meet this boy that, of course, you know, everybody in my family's doing uh, information gathering on. My wife is, is like the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and the NRO all reaching out and, uh, you know, getting as much information as she can about this boy. How many parents live their lives through their kids' dating lives, though? They relive their own high school through their kids' dating lives. That's telling a good story, i.e. teenagers getting to know each other and building social skills and all of that stuff in a bad way. It's not a good plot. It's not a good story. It's not a compelling story. Think about politics. We live... And I truly believe this in one of the greatest countries in the history of the world. Since its inception, it's had problems. 
But part of our modern day problem is we fail to see how our country's problems fit in the greater problems of the world and what a revolutionary idea our country was and is. And yet, when we have political discussions today, they're almost always told in a bad way. Somebody says something that you don't like, shame on you. And and instead of engaging the discussion, it's shame on you. How can you support Trump? Shame on you. How can you not support Trump? Shame on you. How can you have this political ideology? Shame on you. How can you have that political ideology? And the truth is we don't even talk about ideology anymore. We talk about people because we're telling a, a, a good story, an amazing story. Participatory government is an amazing story. It could be. And we tell it in a bad way. I'm going to go into one more arena where we typically tell a good story in a bad way. And that's religion. If you're out there and you're listening to this and you're turned off by religion, let's be honest, you're turned off by a good story being told in a bad way. Jesus said that you should love your enemies like you love yourself. That's an amazing story. You should forgive. That's an amazing story. But we've convoluted it. We've tore it up. We've ripped it apart. And it's been this thing that's become painful. And it's a good story in a bad way. So the question becomes, how do we tell good stories with our lives? How do we tell good stories with our lives in a good way? The first thing you have to do is you have to answer some hard questions. What's the story arc? What's your story about? What is your story about? Is it about just you? And what's interesting to me is a lot of times I'll run into people and they'll be like, no, 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 I'm not. It's not just about me. But when they actually live their lives, that's exactly who it's about. Just them. I see this a ton with dads. They get mad at their ex-wife or their wife and are in the process of making her his ex-wife. And if you ask them, they'll say, you know what? My story is about my kids, but then their actions don't reflect that. Or my story is about my family, but their actions don't reflect that. You have to decide what is the story arc in your story, and then are what are the actions that you need to do to make that possible? Is your story compelling or is it boring? Now, there's a little bit of a rub here, because I think we all have this nagging voice, oh, well, of course my story is boring. I think about that. Every time I sit down to write a, write a script for a podcast, record a podcast, write a script for a, a YouTube video, record a YouTube video put words to to anything for the book. I I just have this like exploding voice in my head that's like, why would anybody listen to anything you have to say? Invariably, the answer I come back with is because I'm not the only person with the questions I have. I'm not the only person with the struggles that I have. Maybe it's five people. Maybe it's 10 people. Maybe it's 50,000 people. Maybe it's two. And maybe those two are the only two that matter. So what's the story arc? And I, if you can get this down to two or three sentences, my life story is a story about, and then write a sentence or two. That becomes compelling to somebody. What makes a compelling story? Well, who are the main characters? This is called boundaries. Do you have boundaries in your story? There are people that are not main characters in my life, intentionally on my part, because I have to have boundaries. I have to have well-defined boundaries that create movement and freedom for me to move. Don't be afraid to set boundaries. Don't be afraid to set space that you say, no, these people can be in my life in a main way and these people can be in an ancillary way and these people, they can't be in my story because they're toxic, they're dangerous, they're not helpful. 
But this is where it gets compelling because there's a fine line between you can't be in my life because you're for a lot of people. There's a fine line between you can't be in my life because you're toxic and there's conflict because every great story has conflict. What's the conflict in your story? This, this is why you have to know what the story arc is because then you know what you're shooting for, what you're achieving, what you're trying to achieve, what you're shooting for. And then you have to know the conflict. I'm a small business owner. Part of my story is being a small business owner. There's all sorts of conflicts that just come with that. Just once I make that a character, once I make that a role, I guess maybe we ought to consider that the difference between characters and roles. Then, then there's conflict that comes with that. Because one of the dangers is I could say, oh, well, that's too hard. I can't do it. That's too toxic for my life. So it's out. That's a boundary. And it could be a boundary. Or it could me being acting, it could be me acting out of fear. I sat with a guy last week, not in session, so there's no HIPAA attached to it. And I said, the problem is you're too afraid of pain to actually be telling a compelling story with your marriage. You need to take 12 to 18 months and just pursue your wife with everything you have. Just drop the pedal to the floor and go all out in pursuit of your wife. And right away, he told me about the conflict. Not just between them, but the conflict that would come that would keep him from achieving that goal. If he made that his story arc, part of his story arc, the next 12 months, pedal to the floor pursuing my wife, here's some conflicts. Yep, I agree. I talk to people all the time about parenting. All the time. And I'm like, hey, okay, so you want to do this. Well, that's really hard. Yeah, I know. That's what makes it a good story. Because movies that have characters that don't go through anything hard don't move us because it's not a compelling story. If you want to tell a compelling story with your life, there will have to be conflict in it. In order for there to be conflict in it, you have to know what the story arc is. And here's a little tidbit on that. The story arc has to be about more than you. I, I went to lunch last week with a friend of mine who I worked at or I worked with at the hospital that I was talking about earlier, and we were talking about how one of the things that concerns us about modern day society is that we have lost the meta-narrative of which we live in. There's nothing that frames the story of me anymore, except my happiness and my pleasure. If that's the framing of my story, I'm not going to engage in difficult parenting. I'm going to engage in parenting that gets me the most pleasurable and the happiest result immediately. So if my kids are, are, are acting up, it's going to be about stopping the behavior for my own auditory satisfaction. If they're too loud, it's going to be stop being so loud. Not because there's a reason tied to it other than I want to be happy. And so there has to be something greater than you that surrounds it. If it's meaning, whatever it is, that's where the meaning comes from. So it has to be an over story arch. It has to be something that is greater than just the participants of the story, the greater good, if you will. Because it's going to be hard. Pick whatever your story is. Even if your story is, I'm going to try to avoid as much discomfort as possible. That's really hard. If you don't believe me, come sit in the room with me for a few days. And I'll introduce you to people that they've made that the story arch. And you know when I meet them? As they get close to retirement. As they get close to uh, the end of their life. Because now they have regrets that, well, I don't really feel like I did anything meaningful. And I'm, I'm all for taking good care of yourself, having fun, having pleasure. 
My family and I, we go on vacations. We do things. I have a motorcycle that I don't need. I have it because I want it. I ride it not because I need to ride it, but because I want to ride it. But that can't be the meta, the meta narrative, the overarching plot of my life. Therefore, I have to engage things that have conflict. I have to engage things that are difficult. I have to engage things that make me uncomfortable. One of the biggest problems for people when they come in for couples therapy is that they actually define a good argument as one where nobody's upset, there's no distress. Well, that's not a compelling story. And then what happens is they stop engaging in the story altogether because they've done it so many times in a painful way that they just quit, they just sit out. Okay, so let's just review. Here's some questions you have to answer. What's the story arc? In just a sentence or two, what's the story about? Your story is about what? Who are the main characters? This is boundaries. In fact, make a whole, if you really want to get into this, make a whole character sketch. I've, I've had a couple clients do that. They just make an entire character sketch. Who are the main characters? Who are the support characters? Who's the bad guys? And there are some. We all have people in our lives that frustrate us. People that, unfortunately, there are people that want to do evil. There are people that want to do bad things. And so who is that person in your story? Because now you know, okay, I need boundaries around them. Who are the people that are the life suckers, the energy suckers? I need boundaries around them. How do you navigate the characters? What's the conflict? What's the major roadblocks to you accomplishing whatever you wrote in the What's My Story arc? And then what's the meta narrative? What's the greater portion of this? Because this is where we get to tell a good story in a good way. One of the things that happens with, with charities is often they will use logical fallacies and appeal to your emotions to get you to do good things. If you won't do it, who will? Well, isn't that a fair question? Yeah, but it's not telling a good story in a bad way. Why not just tell the compelling nature of the story? One of the things uh, that I often looked at years ago, I was watching commercials and I was watching two uh, computer companies battle it out. And I pointed out to my wife, I said, notice the difference in their commercials. The one tells you all the things that their product uh, or tells you all the things that the, their competition's product can't do. The other one, which I won't tell you which one, but it's named after a fruit, uh, they tell you all the things that their product can do, how it brings people together, how it shows them the path forward. One told the story of their product in the greater meta narrative of, hey, by using this product, you're engaging in a good story. You're bringing people together. The other one told what I think they wanted to tell a good story, in a bad way. Politics. Don't tell me about why you hate the other guy because you don't know the other guy or woman. Tell me what you don't like about their policies. I'll listen to that all day long. And then the last question you have to ask yourself is, what's the conclusion of your story? What's the end going to look like? What will it look like at the end of your story? What will that process be like? What's your funeral going to be like? In a few sentences, describe the closing scene of your story. How does it end? And this is why the meta narrative is important because if your story at the beginning was, well, my story arc is it's about a guy who starts a business and becomes rich. That's a terrible story plot, but whatever. Well, what happens then when you start a business and become rich? Is your story over? Is that how it ends? There's got to be more. That's why you need all three components, the story arc, the meta narrative, and the conclusion. How's your story going to end? One of the things... 
uh, that you, you, you will read a lot about. If you're reading self-help books in 2019, 2018, and I'm going to guess well into 2021, is people talking about beginning with the end in mind. Uh, there's, there is a term used in one of the books that I read called backcasting. Starting with the, the end and working your way backwards. There was an ancient uh, writer who once wrote that if you number your days, you'll have a heart of wisdom. Beginning with the end in mind. What is the conclusion of your story? How do you want it to look like when you're done? What do you want the end story to look like? You have to answer those questions to know whether or not you have a good story. All right, so those five questions. What's the story arc? Who are the main characters? This is about boundaries. What is the conflict? What are the roadblocks to you telling that story? What's the greater meta narrative about your story? And what's the conclusion? How's it going to end? Answer those questions. Take time this week to answer those five questions. And then let me know how it goes. Send me an email, info at joemartino.com. Put podcast in the subject line. Go to joemartino.com. Hit the contact me button. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I think those, that's the main places that I am. I'd love to hear from you here how that went. Thanks so much for listening to this. I know you could do anything with these minutes, and I appreciate that you share them with me. If you found value in this, please share it with your friends on social media. Uh, start a conversation about it. I would love for uh, that to happen. Start hashtag the Joe Martino Show. I don't know. I'm kinda, I didn't really write this part of the script out. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the contact me page. Until next time. Remember, change possible.